Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, Are you going to the movie, Peter? No, I'm looking for additions to my stale popcorn collection. And, Press the palm, Petey. And, Watch the sweetness routine. Someone might mistake you for Marie Osmond. Here to provide analysis to those lines and so much more, it's my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Well, my popcorn is not getting stale. Well, Ooh. maybe a little bit faster than usual. I'm doing great. How about you, James B? I am doing well. As far as popcorn, I know that we have an air popper in our house. Uh, do you use the cool butter on the stove type of method? What do you use? That That is usually how it goes. Just, just a pan, shaking it around. I don't make popcorn too often. Very primitive, though. I used to get a cut in my teeth too much, and my dentist told me, uh, you know, stop it. So... <laughs> Hey, Eddie, I referenced uh, Maria Osmond earlier. She's a talented musician who, I don't know if you know, back in the 1980s, was loved by young people and is super nice. I wish we had a guest like that. Hmm, let me think about it. Well, I think we do have one, and she's here today. Welcoming back again, Sarah Pezzel. Uh, Sarah, are you ready to press the palm with the two of us while we go over some amazings today? Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's funny, you guys were talking about um, popcorn makers. I actually have a Spider-Man air popper. Well, of course you do. <laughs> I mean, great. Shocking. <laughs> I saw it at like Hobby Lobby or something and it was 50% off. How could you not? Always wanting up wanting up us, uh, Sarah, with uh, something or other that has to do with Spider-Man. But great. Expanding the collection, right? Yes. Oh, and also speaking of expanding collection, you guys will not guess what book I just got. Mm. Uh, uh, it's one of my favorite villains. Well, you only have like mm. eight tattooed on you, so. Oh, did you get? <laughs> okay, well, okay, that, that's a, a good a doc point. Doc, However, right? no. no, 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 no. It think two uh, hundreds in the mid two hundreds. Mid two hundreds. Yeah, which you guys haven't. We're getting close. (laughs) I will be much better at this game several months from now. Sure. We're going to go Hobgoblin? Yep. Got the first appearance of the Hobgoblin. There you go. Excellent. Congratulations. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Let's talk more about that on the other side of this because we got to get to that book still. And we won't get there Mm -hmm. unless we talk first about from June of 1981, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 217. Here's Mud in Your Eye by Denny O'Neill, John Romita Jr., and Jim Mooney. We see Spidey where we left him last issue, on his knees woozy from whacking some would-be assassins with a water tower top, when, like a jack-in-the-box, Hydro Man pops out of the top of the water tower. Apparently, he didn't evaporate at the end of their last meeting in Amazing Spider-Man 212. The watery villain dives into a drainpipe and so begins his stomach-lurching form of transportation into the New York sewage system. It's just so gross how this guy gets around. I thought it was uh, odd how the Hydra Man gave up that element of surprise that he had. He just, like, announces himself instead of making an attack. Well, at least he's not going into women's showers as water droplets anymore. (laughs) Speaking of forms of water, in an effort to blow off some steam, Peter heads out to see a movie only to have it spoiled in multiple ways when he bumps into Debbie and Biff Rifkin. Deborah Whitman does not find it awkward that Peter sees her on a date with uh, Biff Rifkin. I, I find that awkward. I just, like, what's up with him, with Biff, anyway? Like, the way he introduces himself every time we see him, I think, is super weird. He says, uh, the old Biffer, that's me. Sarah, that's how Eddie introduces himself, too. 
<laughs> the old biffer. Uh, I'm ready to leave that that one behind for now, James B. Let me talk about what's going on across town at Duffy's Pub. Uh, we see Flint Marco, the Sandman, getting the moves put on him by Sadie Frickett. This is actually Hydroman's burly lady friend. Eddie, sorry to interrupt, but speaking of Duffy's Pub, did you know St. Patrick's Day was considered a religious holiday in Ireland for most of the 20th century, so pubs would close on March 17th? But once it became a national holiday in 1970, everything changed and pubs became a go-to spot for men to celebrate. I had no idea, James. Thank you. I just wanted to pop that out at you. <laughs> just like Hydro Man, who pops out of a sewer and doesn't like the flirting he's seeing. And so a slugfest between him and uh, Sandman ensue. But Sadie calms her two knights in wet, sandy armor and after aggressively receiving several abruptly stolen gifts, convinces the fungible pair to get along. Yes, there are two knights in wet sandy armor. I see what you did there. <laughs> hey, they are walking down the street, uh, just committing crimes, and there's like no cops or superheroes coming by to stop them. Uh, speaking of walking down the street, the first St. Patrick's Day parade took place in New York City in 1762. Not in Ireland. I laughed so hard at the scene of Sandman and Hydroman trying to one-up each other by stealing gifts for Sadie. However, I did think it was super weird that there was, like, no one called the cops. There was, I mean, they're at large, right? <laughs> and nothing. No one calls the cops on Sandman either when he's, like, sitting in, in Duffy's, right? Like, that's fine. Yeah. Like, he's, apparently that's I, not a problem for him. They did say it was not a great part of town. So I, I, I can't imagine this is the only crimes that are being committed. Meanwhile, Peter has awkwardly met his country singing neighbor, Joseph Pickus, a.k.a. Lonesome Pinky, and while explaining the story at the Bugle, gets a lead on the whereabouts of Sandman and Hydroman. He swings into Sadie's apartment and a titanic battle ensues. Barrels are broken. Lamp posts are destroyed. And the fight appears to have ended when both adversaries fall into the Hudson. But we end with Sandman and Hydroman fuse together to create a massive brutish monster. Lonesome Pinky, terrible singer, and uh, he turns out he's like little guy, you know, he meets on the staircase, as opposed to, he thought he had found him, he thought he found a guy with a cowboy hat. Um, but no, seriously, back to the main story, Spider-Man almost gets concussed, and then he tells the, uh, Readers, I'm going to pass out. I, I only have a second to stay awake. And then the guys fight with each other for a second. And he's like, oh, I fully recovered now. Thank you for that break. I was a little confused about how Sadie hitting Spider-Man in the back of the head did anything to hurt him. <laughs> Unbelievable power. He just got a great shot at it. That's all. <laughs> it's all the adrenaline. Yeah. <laughs> His spider sense went off, which has been going off a lot lately. And he's been ignoring it lately. At least, at least this time he said... Who's it going to be? Is it the Hydra Man or is it Sam? And he heard it going off in his head. He waited, and then he got hit in the head by Sadie in the back with a lamp. Uh, let's talk some good things about this book, if we can. I'll I'll start. <laughs> the cover the cover was very accurate for what the book was about. We get a full introduction to his country singing neighbor, Lonesome Pinky. He's got this great outfit too: white gloves, white boots. I don't know, Sarah. You're you're farther west than both of us. What, what does he look like to you out there? You're you're our expert, right? 
Yeah, it's the Wild West out here. Uh, in fact, I just uh, put away my hat uh, before we started the podcast. Quick quick interruptions. Sarah, how many Spider-Man headgear, hat caps, knit caps do you own, do you think? To the nearest whatever, round off. Like, uh, oh, uh, more than 20. Eddie, how about you? Spider-Man headgears? Yeah. I only buy them for my children. I have zero. Sorry, my children have yeah, several, I, though. I also think I I think I also have zero. I, I feel like I had one zero. little cap at some point. I haven't seen it. So you're you're currently leading us in that department. Um, other yeah, good... I usually get them as gifts, like around Christmas time when it's uh, cold. Other other good things. I enjoyed that the two villains were not on a crime spree to just destroy the world or to just make money. They were both doing it for love. I thought that was kind of a cute little plot line. Super romantic. It's true. I thought there were some funny moments in the book. Um, like I said earlier, with uh, Hydro Man and Sandman stealing these gifts for Sadie. I like the atmosphere of the pub um, in in that neighborhood where they can just the villains can just hang out. Um, <laughs> is the I because I don't remember this. But, is the bar with no name a thing yet? I don't think we've seen that eddie correct okay no, never mind. i don't think so i think i think in buffy the vampire slayer there is like a demon bar that people can go to as well we're gonna go back to the bar i know that all right we're gonna end up there at some point aren't we yeah but right now we to get there we have to go through the next book which is from july of 1981 stanley presents the amazing spider-man 218 eye of the beholder by denny o'neill john romita jr jim mooney and al Mingham. wow at the docks, Spider-Man set up his camera to get photos of the incredibly powerful Hydro-Sandman fusion monster. He cannot stop the beast from wandering off and instead swings over to the bugle to try and peddle his pictures to J. Jonah. As J. Jonah is berating Peter for bringing him poor quality photos, the man-like thing Hydro-Sand monster, I- I've decided here that I'm going to call him Mr. Sandcastle. Because, I mean, he, uh, he's doing this for love, right, everyone? A little, little uh, playful. Uh, heads to Sadie's house and grabs Sadie. When the police arrive, Sadie is about to calm down the beast and with the help of Matt Murdock, uh, have its Mr. Mr. Sandcastle's name cleared in court. We have a panel of the monster stepping through the wall of Sadie's apartment here, and then we're in court. I felt kind of bad for uh, Mr. Sandcastle because he doesn't get a lot of character development from our hulking new friend. He's almost a carbon copy of Man-Thing, uh, the swamp monster, in case anyone wondered what he looked like. Yeah, the, the courtroom says he's innocent of any crimes, with the exception, apparently, of the landlord of Sadie's op- now open-air apartment, <laughs> you know. Um, but I like this plot line and argument. Two criminals put together. Nope, no trouble there. But also funny how they, uh, Matt Murdock says, well, they're now they're a new person, mm. so they haven't committed any crimes as this new person. <laughs> what, what a great lawyer. Uh, <laughs> I'm calling Matt Murdock when I need a lawyer. He, he, is, he is the best. Hey, this book also does something that I haven't seen, I don't think at all. Eddie, you know, correct me if you can think of one we've covered. Twice in the middle of the book, it says a week goes by. You know, time is moving really slowly in comics. Sometimes we could read six or seven comics between all the different titles that take place in the same day. Yeah. Here, here they're like, a week goes by, and then something's happening that goes, another week goes by. So uh, 
It's even referencing the ongoing titles. So you even know, like, oh, well, Spider-Man battled these other people this week. Like, he wasn't just sitting around doing nothing. So I thought that was interesting. I like how Spider-Man decided to go after Sandro-Man. That's what I'm going to call him. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> his guilt was definitely within character, um, but but I'm surprised that he didn't go after him sooner. Um, but Peter's got to sell those picks. <laughs> Sadie's got him under control. Uh, in fact, after her court hearing where Sandro man, I like Mr. Sandcastle, too bad, Sarah, oh. has his, its name cleared. <laughs> Sadie is almost immediately approached by a movie star producer to commercialize Mr. Sandcastle. And after a few weeks, they stage a show. Peter, annoyed at Briff Rifkin, uh, Debbie's new boyfriend, convinces Jay Jonah to send him to the Beastly Show. Are they boyfriend and girlfriend for sure? It seems pretty clear. I guess it's implied. It's certainly Biff thinks so. I mean, Peter goes out with Debbie half the time, and it's not implied they're even dating. It's hard to tell. So, Well, Steve Hopkins, Eddie, crosses over to the Amazing Spider-Man book here. Deborah Whitman first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man 196, but they really don't have the ESU grad characters or those characters in The Amazing Spider-Man books. So I'm always forgetting about them. Uh, once there, the book replays the old plot to King Kong. Spider-Man even says it's just like King Kong. And after Mr. Sandcastle is destroyed by dehydration gas, Sadie's movie producer tries to comfort her by telling her he's already working on a deal to sell the end of her story. Uh, but Sadie can't be bought, and forlornly walks home reminiscing of the two men who fought for her love. Yeah, for someone who couldn't afford a photo album, she really disregards the, her money situation for love. I hated this book. I, I think the entire story was ridiculous. And not to, like, Sandman and Hydro-Man combining together, I, like, I just can't picture that. Because didn't, hasn't Peter Parker multiple times defeated the Sandman with a lot of water? Well, he's vacuumed him up. Yeah, I mean, he's chucked a lot of water at him, but it's because Hydro Man has the ability to hold together, too. It's not just, like, normal water. It's, like, Hydro Man's water. That's why they're holding I together. I thought... <sighs> yeah. They, I hate that. It also um, happened in the water. Also, also, it happened in the water. Right. <laughs> the combining of yeah. them. Which, you know. But look, I, we're... Yeah, you know, I know. We're not going to be able to... Come on, guys. Positive. Give me some positive <laughs> feedback on this book. <laughs> Um, I love that it wasn't just a typical I'm a monster I'm going to smash and, and there's like seven pages of fighting and then it gets defeated by a vacuum cleaner or a, something like or gas or something there's a, a different twist to the book. it's it's really a love story is what it really is it, it's <laughs> you are exactly right Sarah not not your typical book that we would have but a love story that's set so like kind of hilariously with Sandman and Hydro Man. I think it's funny how when they combine their like intellectual capacity is just mm -hmm. gone too. Right. But I, I gotta say, like when you're talking about not holding together, we have to imagine that it's because they both love Sadie is why they're like clinging together to stay oh, wow. stay on with her, right? <laughs> Oh, are you sure this isn't the Valentine's Day podcast? <laughs> oh, I like that one. We could bring the music back, right, James B? <laughs> <laughs> From August of 1981, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 219, Peter Parker Criminal by Denny O'Neill, Luke McDonald, and Jim Mooney. And this, apparently, Eddie is 
your favorite book of the day. So take it away. <laughs> All right. Let me be clear here. The cover of this book is superb. I was really excited to read it. Everybody looks at the cover. Peter Parker is like behind some giant bars and there's a ghostly Spider-Man like roaring behind him, it looks like. And his face of insanity is so great. I gotta thank Frank Miller for this one. But <laughs> once you open up this book, yeah, I got some problems. For the cover, I really enjoyed how Peter's clothes are like all ripped up. Yeah. It makes him look extra crazy. Yeah, yeah. This is gonna be a great book. Peter Parker is breaking into Rikers Island as Spider-Man to expose the corruption allowing criminals to operate within and escape the facility at will. This is an exciting plot line. Uh, he's a photographer, not a reporter, but I'm very interested. He hides his Spider-Man clothes in a tree outside. I'm not totally sure why. And breaks into the prison. He tells everyone he doesn't want Spider-Man involved, but he knows that journalist, which is what he is now, Parker, would get off with a warning for trespassing. So that's all. All right. Well, uh, inside, Peter sees Jonas Harrow and the gray gargoyle escaping with help from an unrecognized character. Peter scares them back into their cells, and the guards capture Peter and put him into a cell. Yeah, he gives them a story, but it doesn't match because he claims the Grey Gargoyle and Jonas Harrow are escaping, and the guards are like, no, nah, it's not true. They're with the warden right now. So that's what happens. So how do they just put him in a cell? But all right, moving on. He is trespassing in a prison. I, all right. Where else are you going to put him? Where are you going to put him in the closet? <laughs> Call the police. Take him away. <laughs> He's, they are the police. <laughs> I disagree. The guards. <laughs> Chuck him in a cell. Uh, they confiscate Peter's camera containing evidence of his innocence. I also think this is shady. And soon after, a janitor steals it from the warden's desk and then pawns it. Okay, it's important to this story. It is. It's a stretch, but it, it taking the camera is believable. Having someone steal it. It's not like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. someone would steal the camera. You know, it's... <laughs> the warden's desk. It's not like, it's not like we need to play the... So you're saying there's a chance segment here. This is like, oh my God, someone stole a camera, like in behind it, whatever. But there'll be worse stuff in this book. It is just, this is fine. <laughs> Great. Isn't it also a pretty nice camera as well? I, I remember that Peter had saved up for a while to purchase it. So, I mean, maybe the janitor guy needed some money. Uh, he did indicate that. So he does think he can get away with it too. But later on, apparently he's the only suspect. So apparently he misjudged that. <laughs> In court, Matt Murdock argues Peter is innocent, but Mr. DeBroth, uh, by the way, this guy's name changes several times in this book, explains to the judge Peter was the mastermind of the breakout. Um, he's released on a $50,000 bail that Aunt May and her friends post for him. <laughs> okay, as much as I'm defending this book, all my issues are, are here as well. There's like 10 things wrong with this here from why Matt Murdock is here to the $50,000 bail that gets posted. There's a lot of problems here. I get it. But Sarah, explain to us the worst part of this. Okay. So I'm going to describe this guy. Okay. A red goatee, red hair, uh, an evil looking face and the best part, an eye patch. So the judge looks at this guy. He claims he's innocent in a pig's ear. Listen, little PD engineered the breakout. What? So the judge is believing this, like, sketchy-looking guy uh, that Peter has been orchestrating all the breakouts from the last year? That's crazy to me. All right. I, you're exactly right, Sarah. Crazy by the is way, an understatement. By the way, the, the $50,000, <laughs> I, 
1982 money. Oh, that comes from all the... Well, don't worry, Aunt May had a lot of benefactors to help her out. She just asked all the old people in the old folks' home, and they all chipped in to help with the bail. Because that's where that's the people who have tons of money. Those, you know, those old folks in a retirement home, octogenarians and such. God, it's too much. Okay, okay. Well, Peter returns home. He discovers a lonesome Pinky uh, has a gig. That's his neighbor. Nice. This is I like this. All right. Uh, without his costume, though, remember it's in the tree outside the prison, Peter puts on his old bleached Spider-Man costume, which I really thought he threw away, and breaks back into Riker's Island only to follow Jonas Harrow and the Grey Gargoyle breaking out again with some help from this guy, Dubroyle, who's the guy that testified against him, too. He follows the evil duo who get more help from... Uh, he follows the evil duo to the pawn shop where his camera is and they fight... Spider-Man beats them. The Actually, end. let me jump. Yeah, let me jump in here. They have what they call a cold ending, as opposed to a fade. Spider-Man gets the camera, and he just is like, "This will, this will free Peter Parker." Da da da. Like it just ends. That's it. It's just cold. There's no like. It doesn't really. You're well, like, wait, what? He, do, he doesn't even get the camera. He gets the film from the pawn shop shop owner, who has the film, I guess, like right in his pocket, and no Spider-Man is looking. And for the it. pawn shop owner identifies himself. It's like that pawn shop that you've just completely destroyed <laughs> is mine, and the camera wasn't the only thing in there. This film was that he has, like you said, in his hand because he took one picture of his grandson then for some random reason. Developed the film. Yeah, yeah, some issues issues there. All right. Well, he was just curious, I guess. The whole book reads like a terrible 80s cartoon. And uh, my my one thing I will point out, Joe Harrow, I have a pretty pretty good respect for. He's been around a long time. He's created some great villains, actually. You know, Hammerhead. Uh, I liked Hammerhead. And he's just out here, like, slugging it out with Spider-Man. No, like, tricks or anything. Come on, man. He can do better than this. I did love the scenes with J. Jonah Jameson, especially his comment about uh, to Peter about writing a column about the food in prison made me laugh out loud because Peter calls him and is like, hey, I need help with bail. And he's just basically like, nope, go away. Um, I thought the story was interesting. And after reading the book, I'm excited for what happens next. And I again, I thought it was silly that the judge believed that sketchy dude with the eye patch about Peter orchestrating the breakouts from Rikers. Yeah, they did the best they could with what they had to work with, I suppose. Hey, we have a new sponsor. Yay. Hooray. I'm ready for a new sponsor. It's got it's got to be better than Spider-Man. <laughs> the last one we read, right? Eddie, I know you like to frequent um that Cousin Gravel's pub sometimes with your family because you like to hang out with knockoff Sandman. But listen, Eddie, now you can see the real Sandman at Duffy's Pub in Manhattan. It's a place where everyone, except Biff Ripkin, Sarah Wright, can come and gather. You can hear local singer and songwriter Lonesome Pinky. This local gem is frequented by other famous celebrities too, such as Gideon Mace, Hydro Man, and White Dragon. Ladies who dress up as Lady Dorma get free drinks on Tuesdays. Fighting not allowed before 7 p.m., floozies and children under 12 are welcome. That's Duffy's Pub, where every day is St. Patrick's Day. So, Eddie, is there a chance you would take a day away from Cousin Gravels to try 
Duffy's Pub? You know, if I'm hanging out at Cousin Gravel's a lot, then I certainly know the ambiance that Duffy's would have. You know, they are celebrities to a certain extent. Can I can I just peek in the window and then run away? <laughs> Not actually sit at the bar? Would that be okay? You think that's okay? Does that count as visiting? I, Sarah, have you ever been to uh, Duffy's Pub? No, but I think it would be great. You know, the dressing up on Tuesdays to get free drinks, that sounds amazing. Um, I think, so when I when I picture the ambiance of this place, I see like uh, like one rickety pool table, mm-hmm. but but we have, you know, you can play pool. It's only 75 cents, right? <laughs> I think that's a great price. You know, they have anything you would like to drink and you can see your favorite supervillains. I, I think that that's a good deal. Yeah, I'm looking at the at the details. Not all this is in the in the copy, but it also says uh, they have hand sanitizer available and social distancing. Oh, perfect. So uh, perfect, the, perfect. the bald guy who mops up does wear a mask. So it seems like it's a good place, Eddie. Do they have a kitchen? That's not in the in the copy here, though. But <laughs> oh, okay. They okay. definitely have a bar Sarah, and a lot of a lot of wooden Sarah tools. Sarah wants to eat food at Duffy's bar. Hey, maybe, maybe they have some corned beef and cabbage, you know? Maybe Hydro Man can just mop the floor with himself. <laughs> Could be very clean. It's possible. I thought Lonesome Pinky alone would draw you into this. Area. Well, I do. I am impressed with live music at all times. Uh, yeah. yeah, you could bring a banjo. <laughs> And play with I him. wish I knew how to play the banjo better than I do. One day, Sarah. Just don't don't have it in a giant banjo case during like, the New York <laughs> Marathon, though, or Spider-Man <laughs> might mistake you as having a weapon. weapon. Sarah, uh, what you got going on these days? Well, in March, there's C2E2 in Chicago coming up, and me and my mom are going, so I get to do the cosplay Ooh. thing. So hold on. C- um, can you explain what C2E2 is? Is that comic something? Yeah, comics and entertainment. Okay, all right, thank you. Yes, of course. And I'm excited to dress up. I'm excited. Uh, Chris Evans is going to be there. They're announcing more guests. There's a lot of guests from the X-Men animated series that'll be there, you know, voice actors and such. Wait, Chris Evans, the world's sexiest man? Uh, Yeah, if that's what you believe. Uh, It's it's People Magazine 2022. James B. does believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he's no Biff Ritkin, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's no Biffy. No. What does he say? The old, he, what does he say about the palm? Oh, what yeah. does he say? Uh, press the palm. Press the palm. Press the palm. Press press the palm. palm. That's his handshake quote. Like, hey, press the palm. I haven't heard you use that one yet, Eddie. You got to work that into your thing. So. Uh, what are you doing in April? In April, there's uh, the amazing Comic Con here in Las Vegas. And again, get to do the same thing. I have no idea who the guests are. I haven't even looked, but uh, it's usually a great con. I think one year, I think it was that con. Yeah, it was. Uh, John Amita Jr. was there. So that was really cool. I got some of my books signed. So we'll see what happens. Awesome. That's all good stuff. Such a cool Spider-Man person, Sarah. Wow. Sounds super fun. Mm -hmm. Sarah, if somebody wanted to follow you somewhere what's the best place to find you um on twitter uh under at sarah pezel that's my personal account or if you'd like to follow my at spider underscore panel uh i post panels of the day we'll go with that uh on the twitter account and eddie if somebody wanted to reach out to us where would they do that you could email us at let's read spider-man at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at let's read spidey 
And now it's time for the close. I am James B. Joined by the old Biffer and Sarah. And remember, listeners, if you need to build a great sandcastle, Hydro Man and Sandman can help. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Sarah, what are you going to wear at these cons? Um, well, definitely Spider-Punk, because um, that, that one's my favorite. Um, I have Scarlet Spider uh, from the 90s with the Ooh. blue hoodie vest thing. Um, I have Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, but part of me doesn't like wearing that because I want to be legit with the raised webbing, the polyurethane webbing, but those costumes are like $1,000, so I can't wow. swing that right now. I just, I, apparently I need to start making very fancy Spider-Man costumes for Sarah, and then I'll be, I'll be in good shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I, I'm having a long weekend, feeling quite good. How about you, James B.? Actually, Eddie, it's not a long weekend. It's St. Patrick's Day weekend in our story. So oh, you're you gotta right. Change. You got to keep track of where we are. Darn right? it. So, how are you today, Eddie? I, I'm doing great. Uh, St. Patrick's Day is coming up, right, James B? Actually, it just, pa- just passed it. Oh. You <laughs> <laughs> just told me it was coming up. I just told you this is our St. Patrick's themed episode. I know. Look how far we've come, Sarah. <laughs> I should say, look how far I've come. <laughs> So proud. <laughs> it's not.